This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Dead drugs, war, and water. Boy, we've got a lineup today. Exciting lineup, which is a good thing because... I don't know if I'm going to be very exciting today. I'm sure you hear it in my voice that I am really, really sick. Well, not really. I feel actually semi-okay. Um, and I don't know if that's even completely accurate. I don't feel that bad. But my voice sounds really bad, doesn't it? And uh, the logical thing to do would be to not do a podcast today. Uh, but I'm not a logical guy, as you know. And I've got important things to talk about. So here we are with my... Uh, my raspy voice and all. I was really hoping it would get better. I doubled down on the cold medicine. I have this throat loss in gin. And, uh, yeah, none of it's working. And all indications are that I'm just on a path to completely losing my voice, probably forever. And you'll be without me. And I know that that's horrible news. Uh, but there's other bad things going on. So let me just eke out these last few words while I can. I'm kidding around, of course. Uh, but I do hope that uh, what we can do today is to uh, bring some attention to the current state of our society. And there's no secret that we really are facing a broad range of challenges, very diverse challenges. That's the truth. And as much as you have people that are making things up and embellishing and, and lying for their own personal gain, there, in fact, does remain serious challenges. In fact, all the more reason that we try and rid ourselves of those distractions, because we don't have time for selfish people right now. The reason for that is literally um, many of these challenges in their own right threaten to destabilize uh, our financial and our moral foundations. They already have. They already have. I want to go into stories about this, discuss this recent bank collapse a little bit further. I know there's a lot of people with a lot of questions. I'm going to tell you right now, you know, they're talking about a run on the bank. Everybody just relax. But if you're a small business, and that's like, I think, anything under 100 employees, you know, so that could easily be a $100 million a year business. You know, round numbers, that's what, nine, ten million a month, right? Eight, nine, ten million a month you're doing in gross sales. Are you supposed to spread that around to 52 banks or whatever it is? That's ridiculous. But this is what businesses are having to look at going, oh, my God. I got, you know, uh, uh, $3 million in here, but, you know, two and a half million of that is, is this Friday's payroll. And you're telling me I got to worry now that this bank is going to go under on Tuesday and I'm not going to be able to make my payroll. It's a big, big deal that in that way really undermines our faith in, in our systems, in the structure of our systems. And it will bring things into question that were not uh, previously brought into question. That's one issue one issue. I want to talk about the, the, what's going on in Ukraine, because just three days ago, we were on the verge of World War III. Now it's not even in the news, which is another freaky phenomena in itself. The goofiness of the news. What the hell's going on over there? Not just water scarcity, but there's now a new law, I believe, signed into effect that's going to have a big impact on how much you pay for water. Not me. You. Why do I say that? Because I have a well, buddy. <laughs> and God willing, that well will continue to pump water. I'm actually getting ready to sink a second one that's just going to be a uh, 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 for uh, watering usage. Uh, but I want to increase my vegetation, if you will, and my ability to irrigate that. And I don't want to run the risk of burning out my well pump or, or running my well dry in the process. So what do you do? Redundancy, it's called. Now, this is a little bit different than the uh, very smart people in California who are very concerned about the environment. Uh, you would think would take this pause in climate change now that they've got more water than they can choke on. Maybe they ought to build a reservoir or two. Maybe they ought to add a few rain barrels here and there, some of these people with their pools and whatnot. Maybe they ought to figure out how they could drink those pools because that may be what's happening next time around. But no, no planning at all. But I'm a little funny in that regard. Anyway, uh, I want to talk about the bank collapse. The Ukraine, World War III, doesn't seem to be happening. I guess they're calling it off. Uh, what's this new law with, with the water? Your water prices are going to double. I'll explain why. And then I want to talk about drug use. No, no, legal 
drug use and what I see going on. It's really scary in many different ways. Um, but I'm going to give you the summary uh, and my opinion on these issues together with some insights. I want to just share with you um, a little exchange I had with our buddy Dan out in Chicago. Dan, as you probably know, uh, is a great contributor to the podcast and uh, really provides a lot of great information. And um, I think we think very much alike in, in many ways. Not always, of course. And sometimes come to the same ends from different angles and vice versa. Uh, but Dan's a thinker and a wise guy. But he, he sent me this email, and the, and the subject line is Truth in Lies. He said the January 6th Reichstag fire, if you know what that is, uh, insurrection was an attack on their democracy, not the peop- American people's country. There's a lot he's making a statement being made in that one simple sentence. Do you understand that? If we compare the January 6th Democratic-run investigation, it was compared to an actual trial. It would be a prosecutor presenting its case, then allowing the jury to decide. The defense doesn't get to cross-examine or present their case. Can you say that that's not what happened? It's exactly what happened. Dan's completely right. That was no trial. It was all propaganda. He says the threat comes from the people and the danger is entrenched corrupt politicians. I said to Dan, I'd say the biggest danger is that it occurred with no real pushback and, in fact, support from most of the media. Dan said the truth is punished when presented. They want to ban Fox News for broadcasting actual facts. Is that how far we have traveled down the 1984 script? How many people are silenced and called conspiracy theorists and have now been found to be truthful and no hint of acknowledgement from the media lying heads? Fox News can't compete with fixed news. I said it's a great point, Dan. How far have we fallen when people are indifferent to lies of this magnitude? Both sides of it, really. How is it that that these politicians are so brazen that they'll sit there night after night after night brazenly putting on this propaganda with no impunity whatsoever? They'll all be reelected. Hell, look at um, Adam Schiff. He's probably going to go to the Senate as a reward for his great work. Like Black Lives Matter in New York City, getting paid $20,000 because as they were burning and looting, they say that their constitutional rights were violated. Talk about confusion, madness. People are confused, dazed and confused. Nobody even knows what to say. Well, let's get into it before I completely lose my voice, shall we? Bank collapse, point number one. None is coming. That's my prediction. Uh, I know that I'm not alone. I tuned into my buddies on the No Agenda podcast, which you probably know is the only podcast I really listen to. I love the depth of the information that they provide, and I highly recommend that you include it in your listening repertoire. Great podcast. Now, I want to tell you that um, I think that there's a chance that there may be one of their, one of the No Agenda show producers who are listening to this podcast, which I'm really flattered by because I listen to their podcast. But I want to just say this in case there is a producer listening. I don't just rip off their stuff. I mention it every time I met, every time I bring up something from their podcast. Do you think that we could bring a little a little light on the world by by sharing that a little bit? For God's sake, you know I try not to get too pissed off because it's self serving. But for the love of damn God, as many times as I've mentioned, and I'm not saying they are. Maybe there's no producer listening. Just to be clear. But something came up recently, like they stole that from me. And I don't know that the guys doing it even know. It probably came through one of their producers who's going to steal my stuff and go, hey, but look what I got for you, look what I got for you. Not even getting paid for it. This is all done. Listen, all I'm asking you is throw my name out there once in a while. They have a great audience. I have a great audience. I mean, it needs to be selfish. Anyway, no agenda. I'm going to just keep doing what's right. And I support that podcast. They start really ripping off my stuff. I may feel a little differently. The show notes. That's an idea I stole from them. They published their show notes. I don't know. I've never even looked at theirs. So I didn't copy the, the format from But the idea I stole from them. I, I mentioned it a million times. It's all I'm asking. 
and I hear all these different broadcasts. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I just said that a week ago, and now they're saying it. It's very flattering. You think you just throw my name in there? I'm not asking for anything monetary, you know, to think you don't have to do very much. Just reciprocate what it is that I do, at least if you're going to do the same. Anyway, uh, I was listening to No Agenda. They said the same thing. Not see a big collapse coming, not at this time. There's too much cash out there, too much money. I don't think it's going to happen the way it did in 1929. I, but I will preface all this by saying, I guess I can't preface it now since I already said it. I could be wrong, and you need to prepare either way. I do. That's why I'm able to sit here confidently. I'm like, I don't think much is going to happen. I'm not too worried about it. Why? Because I'm, I know that I'm in the best position that I can possibly be to deal with this. There's literally nothing more I can do with the available resources that I have that's any kind of sensical. I guess I could, you know, convert everything I own to, to gold and silver. But even that, there's no, you can't say that they're not going to confiscate it. Well, never. They did it before. You don't think that if they're going to go to a digital currency, they're not going to confiscate the greenbacks? Yes, they will. Yes, they will. You said that could never happen. Really? Go get your mask and tell me how it can't happen. I used to believe that, too. I no longer do. And, you know, let me say this before I get into the stories, to, to Dan's point. The Great Reset. I think it happened. Although, oh, they're going to do this. They're going to, oh, over my dip. No, it's done. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't telling you what. Klaus Schwab, he's not that kind of guy to tell you what's going to happen. He told you what just did happen. It happened. And what happened was there's a whole difference, a lot of things. I mean, some of it I can pull you back. It's been going on for decades. And it reached a tipping point. That tipping point was the ability to manipulate, control, confuse. And here's the point, to deceive people on a mass scale. If there's, if that's one thing, I would, what's the biggest story out of January 6th? Not the riots, not even the stolen election. It was the fact that they sit there and lie to 350 million people, more, because it had impacts around the world. And you don't think that that has something to do with what's happening in Ukraine? I promise you it does, because every country saw this. Why do you think that China is stepping in and brokering peace deals between Iran and Saudi Arabia? Did you even hear that that was going on? You didn't. You didn't even hear it was going on. They don't even want to tell you. The Chinese are in control. That's the Great Reset. Once dominated, a world once dominated by America, China unleashed this virus and let it be known that they're in control now, that everybody will play by their rules. And in some aspects, thank God, because our government's gotten so corrupt, it's become incapable, completely incapable. This uh, bank collapse is one example. So I, I really got some additional information to verify what I told you yesterday. And let me just make it very simple for you, okay? Very, it's not a complicated story when you understand. I looked over a summary of the bank's financial statement, and I saw that like 25% of their loans were labeled VC, which I thought was venture capital. I was right about that. That's what jumped out at me. And yesterday I told you a whole story about backroom deals. All right, and, and there's nothing really wrong with the backroom deal. So if you can imagine this, let's just say you're a local business owner. Let's just say you're a mechanic, a, a vehicle mechanic, okay? And you take care of it. You're the only one in town, so you got a monopoly on it. It's great business. Every month you can pretty much count on X number of vehicles coming in for inspection, X number going out. Nice little business. you got two guys working for you. you got four bays. You got a loaner vehicle. You just bought a new tow truck. Things are really looking good. You're paying down on the mortgage of your house. Your credit's solid. All right? Business is bringing in, I don't know, you got, what I say, two mechanics and you. I don't know, let's say a million and a half a year in gross sales, two million a year in gross sales with parts and everything, right? And all of a sudden, uh, a new business moves into town, big business. They got like 150 fleet vehicles. And they come to you and they say, hey, you're the only guy in town, blah, 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 blah. Can you do it? And you say, yeah, I'm going to need to add three bays to accommodate that, but I think I can do it. And uh, I know two guys have been bugging me for jobs. We, we can do it. And you look at this as a huge opportunity. Um, but you realize that to expand really uh, is going to double the value of your business. It also means that you need to double your available capital 
I'm not going to get too far into the business lessons of this. Just accept that it's true what I'm telling you, okay? And you're scratching your head and you're like, you're thinking, man, I need two and a half million dollars to make this happen. This is really incredible. So you say, okay, you go down to the local bank and you says, hey, hey, uh, Johnny, Johnny, do gooder banker. Uh, I got good credit. I've been a longstanding business. I own the, the property that my business is on and uh, I want to borrow two and a half million dollars. Joey Do-Gooder Bankers says, no can do there, uh, Billy Bob, the mechanic. And we say, what are you talking about? Man, listen, your business is worth most a million dollars there, Billy Bob. And quite frankly, without you, it's worth what garage space is worth, which out here in the middle of Podunk Nowhere is right about nothing. And the bank would be concerned. You know, you do this deal. You're under a lot of stress. You have a heart attack. You know, what happens to this uh, $2.5 million loan? And you sit there scratching your head. And you're like, wait a minute, man. I, I just... I ran through all the qualifications, blah, blah. and I've been through this, brother. I lived it. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. And the banker looks at you and says, Billy Bob, uh, do you love these names I put on this? Billy Bob, uh, you know, this is commercial loans, buddy. All those rules go out the window. We have to do what's best for the bank and our investors. Oh, no kidding. So uh, Joey Do-Gooder Banker says, listen, Billy Bob, not all is gone here. Uh, you know, we've been doing business with you a long time. We know you. Uh, we know you're in good health. Uh, why don't you come on down, and, and, and I want you to meet with my business partner. I think we might be able to do something for you. Literally been through all this, almost to a T. I'm just changing the names and scenario a little bit. You get down for a meeting. They bring you in the back door of the bank, not the front. You don't go through the front. You go in the back door. Just come on to my office for a minute. Uh, Billy Bob, yes, yes, Joe Dugater Banker. Nice to see you. Who's this guy in the three-piece suit with the shadow, the veiled face? Oh, that's Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed has deep pockets. He has lots of money. He'd like to hear more about your business proposition. Now, here's what Mr. Ed does, okay, the veiled guy in the back. Mr. Ed makes money whether you win or lose. And let me tell you how he does it. Mr. Ed says to you, Billy Bob, I like you. You're a hard worker. I'd like to see you do this. Here's the terms of the deal, Billy Bob. It's going to be 18% interest, five points up front, uh, six points up front, 12% interest. And uh, you're gonna, and I'm going to give you this money for two years, and I want it all back with my interest. And you're sitting there scratching your head, and you say, okay, well, I, th- I think I can pull that off. I think I can do it with the income I'm going to get from this other business. There's one little catch. This is where Mr. Ed makes his money, whether you win or lose. He says, now, Billy Bob, I need to make sure I'm going to get my money back. You understand? This is a lot of money, even for me. Oh, yes, yes, Mr. Ed. Great wizard of all knowing all money. What do I need to do? The first thing is, uh, you're going to need to bring me a a appraisal for your current shop. And you're going to sign these documents that if you default on this loan, that the ownership of that corporation transfers to me. No court proceedings, uh, no uh, foreclosure, no nothing. Uh, there's different names for this. In commercial uh, or, or re- uh, retail, you would call it a, um, uh, crap, I'm forgetting the name now. Um, but you basically release your rights. In other words, he just if you default on the loan, he just goes down with his lawyers, changes the keys, and you're out. It's illegal in in in, uh, in 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 retail terms. You can't do that in, in person-to-person loans. It's illegal. But in businesses, they allow it. All right? And then he's going to say, Mr. Ed's going to say, that that's not enough. You say, wait a minute. You're lending me $2.5 million. You said you want my million-dollar garage. You want an appraisal and, and a complete release on that. I did it in my commercial leases, by the way, just to tell you a story. When you signed a lease with me as a business, you signed over ownership of everything brought into the property. It was very powerful. I had a guy one time, loaded with equipment, was behind on the rent. I was always cool. I said, listen, we got to get caught up. Not a problem, sir. I'll have a check for you next Friday. Okay, very well. I'll wait till next Friday. Next Friday comes and goes. I hear nothing. I get my maintenance guy. I said, go close off the elevator to that floor, change the locks, which he did. Within an hour, I get a panic phone call screaming at me, this tenant. You can't do that, ba 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 ba. I said, I can, and I just did. You told me that you were going to have a check on Friday, and you didn't. I'm, the one, I'm not the one that made the promise. You did, right? 
You can get all, you know, you can yell as loud as you want, but the only way those locks are coming off that door is with the check that you previously promised me. And this is what shrewd business people do. It's very Darwinistic, I understand. And I didn't want to hurt the guy, but I was like, you got to pay. It's just the way it goes. I got obligations, you got obligations. If you're not going to meet them, I'm going to auction this stuff off as quickly as I can, empty this space, because I don't have time to play around. That's the way the speed of business works today. All right? So Billy Bob, the mechanic sitting there, he's never dealt with this before. I'm going to get to the part of the savings and loan analysis affected people around the world. You don't need to understand this. It's not complicated. Billy Bob's getting nervous. He's like, I'm signing on to an 18% loan. This guy's got my business. I'm drawing a blank, the name. Um, like, uh, I forgot. I'll think of it probably after. The, there's a legal term for it. It doesn't matter. But you're signing over the rights to it. It's completely legal and commercial. If you default, it's mine. No further action needed. You're already putting a lien in place on it. And it's crazy. I got caught up in something similar to this in a nasty lawsuit, five years to get out of it. Bankrupted one of our businesses. Tough lesson to learn. Luckily, we had layers and layers of protection between the, on the, this unscrupulous. And the, at the end of the day, we had $100,000 extorted from us. And not even the deal that I'm describing to you, something different. But anyway. These creative business terms sometimes creatively get you to ship a sink a ship quickly. Because Mr. Ed, the dirty banker, is not going to lose money. And here's how he does it. He says, you're going to sign over that business. And then he says, how much equity do you have in your house there, Billy Bob? And you say, oh, Mr. Ed, don't do this to me, man. You tell me if I lose everything, you're going to take my house. I'm telling you, you got to pay. And, what I'm t- and he'll tell you right up front. No, no, I'm telling you, if you don't pay, I will take everything. You should know this, but he'll tell you. Everyone I talked to, I didn't talk to a lot because I was like, oh, there's no way I'm doing that. I wouldn't do it. So I won't do the deal. You got to really think hard, but people do it for a, a million different reasons. Some of them get very, you always hear the success stories. I've talked to many business owners over the years. How'd you get started? And they tell me a story, something like this. 30% interest, you're getting a business partner out of it. Either you do debt financing or you do equity financing. Mr. Ed, he's like, I, I don't want equity. I want both. <laughs> That's what's unfair about it. I say to myself, no, why would I do You're going to get make that kind of money. It's not a fair deal. I wouldn't do it. Not to mention the fact that if, if something goes wrong with the deal, not only is it a loss for you, you expect that. You got into a bad deal, the business lost money, it happens. You can't afford to take, well, if something goes wrong, I lose everything I've worked for. Ridiculous. So Mr. Ed, the dark, dirty banker, says, uh, how much equity? No, Mr. Ed, all right, all right, I'll do the deal. All right, now your business is lean, your house is lean. He's going to require your wife to sign on the deal. And then he says, uh, there's still not enough here. What the hell do you mean, Mr. Ed? I, I, the only thing I haven't given you is the kids' birth certificates. This is what they'll do. I kid you not. I see here that your mother owns her home free and clear. Mr. Ed, don't do this to me. Yep. I want that house collateralized. Don't you dare miss a payment to me. I won't miss a payment, Mr. Ed. Okay. So you get these dirty darkroom deals being done in the back of the house. And it's fine. It drives a lot of things. People that do it are nuts. Uh, these bankers, like they don't lose very often, let me tell you. They're making money. And they say, hey. And I've seen the deals go bad where they do, they do, they go in and they just take everything. It's amazing how people will come up with money in those situations still. You know, they'll find these other off-book lenders that uh, maybe savage the deal. I could go on stories after story with this stuff. There's like a whole secondary loan market out there that people don't even know about. And I've been yammering on about this way longer than I thought, but let me just get to the point. What Silicon Valley Bank was doing was this. Apparently there was an attorney who did a lot of public offerings in the Silicon Valley, a lot of venture capital deals, okay? Basically, this lawyer, if you will, was representing the Mr. Eds out in Silicon Valley. Big money people. They were like, yeah, sure, we'll get into some messy stuff as long as we know that we're going to make money on this thing. And they do, always. All the legal documents, um, the lawsuit that I mentioned, they got us because we were cross-collateralized with a very valuable asset, and they had us bent over as a result. They know how to do this stuff. 
in ways that you could never imagine that it's going to become an issue. Anyway, what you have usually, usually, and I don't know if that was best illustrated in the story I was telling you, and certainly not in our case, but usually what you have is these C and D grade borrowers, including businesses. And I've seen this myself. Say it was a business that, um, there's a guy I used to work with, a real estate developer. So just remember, there was a company that used to make buggy whips, horse whips he was talking about. And they had a very successful business doing that. Well, they're not around anymore. You, know, you take a business like Sears would be another good one. You know, Sears needed debtor-in-place financing for years. Just was a business you know, that didn't have any debt at some point. And all of a sudden, it ends up in trouble. You see these cycles frequently in businesses. So anyway, usually the, the, the businesses that are going into the back of the bank are usually businesses that are on their last breath. And the value in those businesses is usually in like the equipment or maybe real estate that they own or something like that, or maybe even the tax benefits of the losses. I kid you not. It gets really, really goofy. You know, so the buggy whip company goes bankrupt. Even that bankrupt buggy whip company can have value to somebody. It really can. And they'll lend on that value as long as they know that it's covered and with other assets. They make these deals. But that's usually what you're getting. In the case of Silicon Bank, it was a little different. And I don't know, of course, the deals that they were doing. But from what I can gather, these were um, tech uh, industry uh, startups. And they needed money. And so here's what was happening. These tech startups, they couldn't get funding. You, know, you have an idea for, let's say, an app. Okay. And you say, I'm going to, whatever the case is going to be, this tech thing. And you go and you're searching for funding, searching for funding, can't find any support. So finally you get an invitation into the back of the bank and you go and you talk to Mr. Ed and you cut this deal for the two and a half million dollars, all right? Now you're in business. You got your startup capital in place and presumably they were coming in with other money. I don't, nobody's going to write that loan typically without uh, the principals also coming in with some money. And so the reality is, you're probably looking at the principals coming in with two and a half million of their own money, whether it's a group of two, three, four, maybe the guys that made some money. They worked for one of the big tech companies. They got some big bonuses. They saved their money. They sold the house. They had equity in it. And they each come in with 500000 in cash, five of them, two and a half million cash. And they need two and a half million in loan shark money. Little do they know that they're collateralizing, you know, $15 million you know, in their personal homes, their mom's homes, and all the business assets that collateralize this stupid loan. And by the way, uh, Donald Trump was also very savvy to this type of lending, okay? He's talked about it as well. So now the tech startup company is a bona fide firm. And one of the dirty little deeds in there, see, Mr. Ed is also an investor in the bank, even though this deal he's doing with you is just Mr. Ed and you, or his own separate company, you're not dealing with the bank on this. You're dealing with, you know, Ed's loan sharking and Mr. Big Savvy Lawyer with the Cadillac Escalade and the fancy suit with the weird tie that he only he knows how to get, right? Special, special, special. And uh, they have these over-bloated, collateralized loans. One, they're also investors in this bank, Silicon Valley Bank. And so they put in the in the documents, oh, and by the way, uh, you'll do all of your banking with Silicon Valley Bank. They might even say, by the way, we own the fuel station, and this may get the deal done, by the way. You know, you might say, hey, suppose they own the they own the fuel station down the road, or they have a note on it. They might come in and say, hey, by the way, if we, if we do you this favor, will you say you work it out all the fuel comes from us? You see what I'm saying? There's all kinds of dirty things going on. Anyway, in this case... And very typical, by the way, uh, the bank that held our biggest note required us to do our banking with them. And you know what that does? That also collateralizes your accounts, meaning they can uh, put a freeze on them at any time. And don't think they don't know how to do it. I've had it happen to me. And this is where people get nervous and there's runs on the bank. You think, I better get my money out of there. Okay? Anyway, sticking with the story. Here's where the problems begin. I, there's really nothing wrong with what I just explained to you um, and nothing illegal about it. But here's where it does begin to be a problem. Now, the, the five uh, carrot tops uh, from, from uh, Techland come in, and they're all happy with their skinny jeans and their, you know, 
Uh, they're going to change the world, right? They come into the bank smelling good, all clean, soft hands, never worked hard. They're going to open an account. Two and a half. Now they're going to. Now they're speaking to the president of the bank, who works for the board, Mister Ed and, and Mister Happy Lawyer. Right? You don't know all this is going on. Mister President is going to give you the gold. They roll out the red carpet. Mister Carrot Top, it is nice to see you all here. Thank you for doing business with Silicon Valley Bank. It's our privilege to have you. Did you need any credit today? And you say, whoa! You don't say. What happened here? Last week we came in and we were told that we weren't credit worthy. But now we come in and we're customers of the bank with two and a half million dollars on deposit that's going to stay there for a while because that's our startup money. So, you know, these companies all losing money, most of them. They're burning, but they're not losing all their money, not at once. So they're saying, we're projecting we're going to need two and a half over the next three years. They're burning, whatever that math is, 100 grand a week or whatever, right? So they're starting with two and a half million. But in the beginning, it's two and a half million. Now, Mr. Bet, you're a different person now. And this is where the problem, because you're really not. The business is still worthless. The business is bankrupt because it owes more than it has. And Mr. Ed has a lien on it, and he can tank this thing anytime he wants. And they do. You're going to do that deal. You better be really, really savvy knowing how to, how to navigate that. For me personally, I did a private money deal. The only way I would do it was when I knew the person. The contract was irrelevant. I knew Jonathan was a man of his word. He knew that I was a man of his word. That was a private deal that was done there. And it was a good one. I paid for it. What did I say? 12% interest. You know, but it wasn't uh, 30%, the loan sharks. And it was a fair deal that I had. You know, he didn't, Jonathan, he collateralized with that deal. 100%, 100%, and he made it clear, if you don't pay me, I'm taking it. But he didn't make me put my house up. He didn't make me put my other business. And it was fair. And we did the deal. But what's some of the stuff going on? But anyway, I'm okay with all that. What switched at Silicon Valley Bank, they required that money to be held there. Then they're giving credit to these venture capital firms as if they're A, borrowers. And they weren't. All of the money was borrowed. The only person who stands to gain in all this is Mr. Ed. Keep that in mind, okay? He's going to win. It's just a matter of how much of a bite everybody else is going to take. Guaranteed. Mr. Ed's like, I don't care about those deposits because I got this house, I got this garage, I got all this stuff. doesn't matter. So they bring these venture capital firms in. Mr. Ed borrows the $2.5 million. Mr. Ed doesn't take that out of his pocket. What do you got of your mind? Better to make money with other people's money. Not that it never happens. And he might have even put some of his own money in. Yeah, maybe threw 500 cash in. He might have went back to the bank and said, you know, I'm going to put another, I'll put another 500 uh, on on deposit with the bank, right? Um, but I need you to write this $2.5 million. The bank says, hey, Mr. Ed, we're, we're just not in a position to lend you the $2.5 million with no cash because we're up against our reserve limits, which they were. We know that. That's what got them into trouble. So Mr. Ed says, I'll take care of it. What do you need? You need well, we'd need 200000 to cover 10%, 250000 Mr. Ed says, no, I'll make it better. Because he's a shareholder in the bank, too. He wants the bank to do well, too. Mr. Ed says, I'll put 500000 in cash. So everything's good with the regulators. It's fool's gold. Now the bank borrows another $2.5 billion from the, million from the Fed, $2 million. Additional two, and they put that out. Debt. Now, the five caratops come in, they put the two and a half million on deposit. They treat it like it's a new lender. Whoa, look at this. Remember fractional reserve banking? They're lending out 10 times what they have. Two and a half million on deposit. They're like, uh, Mr. Ed, you know, uh, between the additional money you gave us, we can we can write like another 20 million in loans. And they did. They went out and did... um home mortgages with it. And while it was all good, they were geniuses. Geniuses offering low-cost mortgages and great returns to their investors until just a little problem developed. And that little problem was that the tech industry's tanking. The money's not there, and it's not going to be there. They invested in a buggy whip company at the wrong time. And there's going to be huge losses. So then Mr. Ed comes in, 
And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I just gave $500,000. What do you mean I'm not protected? Not to worry. Uncle Joe takes care of him. So the half a million's protected. And Mr. Ed is happy. And this is why the economy is good. Why the economy's been saved. I shouldn't say the economy's good. Mr. Ed's happy. Mr. Ed says, ah, okay. As long as, as long as I'm getting paid everywhere that I plan, because I don't want to lose anything. And he won't. He will gain, gain, gain. I told you. The money didn't vanish overnight. Where is it going? This is what the regulators are designed to step in and do. What should happen, the regulators should step in and say, no, 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 no. They should undo all of this, and the last person to get paid should be Mr. Ed. That's what the regulators should be doing. Will they do it? Um, I doubt it. They'll just continue to kick the can down the road because the Mr. Eds of the world out there have put the fear of God in them. Well, if you take away my money, there'll be nobody to invest. And then who's going to fund them, you know, Billy Bob's garage? Think about what you're going to do to small businesses. Anyway, I went on about that much longer than I, I planned on, but I hope I gave you a little update on that. As far as a uh, tipping point in our banking, um, I don't view it as that. And the guys on No Agenda said the same. Now, you know, who are they? Who am I? Nobody. I'm not an economist. And like I said to you, I'm kind of sitting back going, eh, I don't really care because I positioned. I knew it was coming. And if this isn't the big one, the big one will be coming is my belief. I just don't think it's going to be right now. Time will tell. But don't listen to me. I mean, if I were you, if, you know, I think everybody should be looking at, I've been saying this consistently. I view the times that we're headed in as being seriously, seriously uh, dangerous, financially and otherwise, regulatory-wise. You're going to see assets snatched up, dissolved, uh, I believe, like you've never seen before. I really do. And that's if they don't do a complete workaround and just go to a, a digital currency that gives them complete control over everything. They're already passing the bill on to us. Let me, let me tell you, so let me tell you what happens here and why it's unavoidable, Okay. With the fiat money system, the money was already printed at the Fed level, all right? So uh, it's gone. It's on the books. There's no, there's no, it doesn't disappear, like I said. It can't under this system. And uh, so what happens? Well, the Fed's going to just spread it out. And we're all going to pay in the form of the hidden tax called inflation. And this is a real problem with fiat money. It really is. It's going to cause a. You, we have debt levels never before seen in human history, along with information and control of people never before seen in human history. Never seen since the fall. Maybe that's the real great reset. The, the new era of, of disobedience. I do believe this, by the way. I do believe that uh, God is faithful to his people. And even if it's a remnant, God will be faithful. I do believe that. But anyway, prepare yourself financially. If you're not doing that, very foolish in my opinion. If you're buying anything right now, real estate or otherwise, I'd be very, very, very careful. A buddy of mine bought a business, uh, crematorium. I think that's a good business. You know, well-grounded business isn't likely to go away. Um, you know, you can be very steady. It's highly regulated, so it's not like one can pop up down the street. Good business. Low overhead business, good business right now. Low startup costs, good business right now. Um, but if you're talking about you know high capital, long term investment, uh, phew, I wouldn't do it right now. Maybe somebody younger than me feels differently, but either way, I'd be very very carefully. All right, that's the bank thing for 38 minutes now. You're welcome. Should I pick this up tomorrow? We could. Um, what do you want to do? Let's let's finish it out. If I go too quick, I'll just uh, pick up again tomorrow. But I want to make these points because there's a reason why I tuned in today. I felt this was important information to get out to you. What the heck is going on in Ukraine? Is the war over? Uh, Russia took down an American drone. I'm sure you heard about that. Did you see the size of this thing? Huge, right? This is no kid's drone. Russia takes it down. No American response. Amazing, really. No news about Ukraine. What the heck is going on? Well, my guess is that China... Uh, has taken over where the corrupt Americans have failed. And sadly, for Ukraine and the world, if that's the case, if I'm right, which is I think China is working to broker a peace deal, I think you might see that come out. Eh, who knows when? Maybe the timing becomes important. Maybe that never even gets uh, publicized to let everybody save face. Even when, You know everybody's getting screwed 
if, if nobody's told anything, right? Everybody's taking a hit. But at the end of the day, I think that for uh, Ukraine, it would be the taking of the lesser of three evils, really. And people of Ukraine are just getting screwed badly. This whole Zelensky thing and hard to tell what even happened there. Um, what the pro- I don't know Ukrainian people. Uh, I don't know. As best I can tell, it's just a Eastern European stuck in this um, very traditional way of doing things in the liberal governments just uh, destroying it, I guess. I don't know what to say, really. Is that even accurate? All I know is Ukraine's getting a bad deal. Um, if we're not hearing anything, you can rest assured somebody's getting screwed badly. So none of it, I believe. They're saying that you know we can't provide enough artillery shells. Thinking, this is incredible. The weaknesses that have been exploited through this whole thing and, and what's been, been happening over there. Interesting. Uh, but it appears to be drying up. It's going to go away, just like COVID. It's going to vanish into the night with no explanation. And people will be relieved. It's like the end of a divorce, you know, when you get out of divorce court. Anybody in divorce court will tell you how screwed up the that whole system is, no matter where, no matter what state you live in. But once they say it's over, you go, oh, my God, you just want to get away from it. You run. COVID, Ukraine, same thing. All right, let's talk about water a second, specifically drinking water. I guess it goes further than that because water is used for a lot of things, right? Flushing toilets, washing clothes, industry, and so forth. We need a lot of water. I find it funny that California is getting much-needed rain that years ago we would have called it a blessing, but today it still means climate change. Really laughable on one hand, uh, but on the other hand, when you think about um, depression and the way people are acting. No wonder. Is there ever any good news? It's sunny. It's climate change. It's raining. It's climate change. We're doomed. We're doomed. Oh, my God. Anyway, the green scam continues, and now you can expect the cost of drinking water to go through the roof. New law being passed. I have mixed feelings about this. I'm not an expert on it. But basically, the federal government is going to begin regulating PFAS. These are chemicals that have supposedly leached into the water systems. I'm going to tell you my gut feeling is that this is um, likely, largely a false scare, like a lot of things. I know it's been a big deal here. We have the Willow Grove Air Base. I'm not on this system, so I don't get too attention to it. The whole Philadelphia region is supposedly polluted with this PFAS, and it's a known cancer. Well, they say it's a known cancer-causing chemical. I haven't seen much real proof of that, but there was a story recently that I mentioned, I believe yesterday, about the old Veterans Stadium AstroTurf having PFAS in that. I know this was possible. And then all these crazy things happening to the baseball players of that era. It's pretty freaky, really. So like I said, I don't know. I know this. I know that we're on our own separate, well, with our own separate filtration system. How's that? How's that? Because see, I'm like Mr. Ed. If I gamble, I place a safety bet. Do you know what that is? It means that I don't like to lose. And I'm not going to drink the PFAS. I don't think it's a big deal. I find that everybody's going to pay, pay, pay. Not me. Not too worried about it. But what's going to happen is now due to this new regulation, which means that even a trillionth of a particle of PFAS that they can now test for, it opens up a whole new market for these filtration systems that are highly profitable for the companies, the engineers involved. This is what you would call the swamp. Has it been given a proper look? Is there no other way to deal with it? Should we deal with it at all? Is PFAS a real concern? Let's say it is. Is is one part per trillion a real concern? I'm not so sure it is. I don't know. These are naturally occurring chemicals, by the way. Maybe somebody who knows more about it than me can tell me. Uh, look, I believe in clean drinking water. We should keep it clean and safe. I mean, that's part of what makes America America, for God's sake. Many other places around the world don't have that. They pay a price for it. Of course. Why would you want to go to a place that has bad water? Very basic thing. We need clean drinking water. You know, would I pay double to make sure that the clean water was free of cancer chemicals? Sadly, I have to say I'm on board with it. But I've said that all along with this, people can take action on their own. When we start getting to one part per trillion, I start to think it becomes a little oppressive, frankly. It makes me think it's a little bit of a scam involved. But who knows? Either way, it's coming, and public water supply around the country, the price is going to double. You watch. Over the next 10 years, it'll double again. I would also argue this. I don't know if you're aware of the scaling that occurs in public water distribution systems. It's nasty. If you take an actual look inside these pipes, 
you really begin to question how the water pops out clean. Uh, they did pass a law, supposed to be that uh, all sprinkler systems, fire suppression systems, supposed to have backflow preventers. Have you ever seen a main drain test out of a fire sprinkler system? The water comes out black from the black pipe. It oxidizes in there because it sits in there for a long period of time. There's no backflow preventers on all these systems, meaning that system is connected to the drinking system, causing contamination. And there's other causes as well. Bottom line is, and I'm not trying to put the fear in anybody. I think we actually have decent drinking water in this country. But that's not the case everywhere. So what do you do to solve it? Well, one of two things. You believe this nonsense and you put a multi-million dollar filters on the pumps that are distributing this water. And you're taking completely clean water and pushing it through dirty pipes to, to the distribution points. Wouldn't it make more sense to install filters at the point of use, like in your house, like I do for my well, and let people pay for it on their own? Oh, no. Oh, no. We don't do things like that. just wouldn't be profitable enough. This is so much better when we can monopolize the market. Who do you think is investing in these filter companies? Should be you. Here's a tip for you. Go find out who these companies are and invest in them. They're going to be making money over the next 10 years. Let me finish out this already exceedingly long podcast with this. I want to talk about the drug problem. I said I was going to lay up a couple of big problems we're dealing with. Our crumbling financial system. Make no mistake, my uh, laissez-faire attitude toward this recent development, the system is crumbling. We're bankrupt. We've been bankrupt. I've gone through the the Federal Reserve uh, balance sheet. It's always going to be bankrupt because they always have... Uh, loans plus interest that's more than they've printed. It can only ever be bankrupt. You only can ever see what we're seeing, and it can only ever get worse and worse. It's just a fact of the math. What's the answer? Stop charging interest, forgiveness of debts. That's a biblical principle, by the way. Crazy, right? Anyway, crumbling finances, water issues. This is serious. Infrastructure does matter, doesn't it? World War III averted, I suppose, but it sure seems to me that the balance of power has shifted firmly to China. Today, I say, thank God, it maybe it bring a little bit of normalcy we didn't have. Long term, oh boy, where have, what have we become? Let me add one little, little feature in. Drugs. Not the drugs that you think. It wasn't five years ago I said that most drugs should be decriminalized. Right here on this podcast, I talked about why I thought even cocaine should be decriminalized. I feel much differently now that I see these side effects. Frankly, I'm I'm surprised at uh, how many people are smoking dope, let alone the effects of booze that nobody talks about. That's not even the serious stuff. And that's not even what I want to talk about today. Because I really don't think that the, what, what you see a lot of is people my age, smoking marijuana that didn't happen in the past, smoking, vaping, eating, whatever the case might be. And, um, you know, when you're 50 years old, it becomes a little different matter, even though I don't necessarily recommend it or excessive drinking either. I'm a drinker, by the way. And, um, you know, I, I, what do you say, uh, self-limit myself uh, all the time, including right now where I'm taking kind of an extended break. At least that's my intention. And I do it automatically now. It's because I do it for health reasons. Alcohol can be, um, you know, destructive to your health. You have to be careful with that. Ice cream, alcohol, all these things, cigarettes. And it might not be on the, you know, serious drug issues, but doesn't mean that there aren't uh, serious consequences of long-term use. And another little story has surfaced that I didn't know about, that there's been a shortage of Adderall. Come to realize that as of last year, 44 million people were prescribed Adderall in this country. That's like 15%, 12% of the population. One in 10 people walking around zoned out on Adderall. Adderall is essentially, I don't want to say it is meth, it's like meth. I have a link here in the show notes you can take a look at yourself. Um, But it's very, very similar, very similar to meth. And it dawned on me that now you have people, kids that were prescribed this for ADHD, that have now been on this stuff for, you know, decades. And now their parents. And let me tell you a little side story here. 
the last two years, my daughter's had some behaviors. Um, she's a good kid, don't get me wrong. Uh, but some attention issues. I've noticed it too. Like we'll be out walking on the trail or whatever, and constantly, Grace, come here, Grace, come here. Grace, stop that. Grace, stop. Grace, get caught. She gets distracted. She's got this incredible little mind. Well, the teacher last year said, ah, you know, you might want to get her tested. She might be on the spectrum. The teacher this year, she would have thought she was, and these are great teachers, by the way. She says to my wife, you know, one of my child is having the same problem. I send the doctor, and it's not what you think. It's just a little micro dose, and it's done wonders. And I, I want to throw up. I look at the whole thing. I think you're giving the kids meth, essentially, acting as meth. Yeah, no kidding. They're performing like rocket scientists, barely sleep, laser-focused. Yeah, no kidding. I'm sure they are. Unreal to me. It's disgusting. You're telling me that 12% of the population has attention deficit disorders or something on that part of the spectrum? That they need to be put on a, on a, a drug that's essentially methamphetamine? You know, the rumor was that Trump was on Adderall. People wonder how he kept these long hours and so forth. It's amazing. I don't know. And now you have these people that are now parents, been on this stuff for decades. They're big believers in it. They refer to it as their vitamins. I've heard uh, people say that about marijuana. It's, it's mommy's medicine. It's daddy's medicine. Daddy's vitamins. We call it something else. And I'm wondering if it isn't these same people that are convincing little boys to cut off their private parts. It's a real problem. Tell me it's not leading to some kind of mental illness. All these problems, it's easy to see how we're morally, financially bankrupt with no signs in real sight. You need to prepare yourself, prepare your family. Uh, that things will likely get much worse before they get better. What does that mean? It means every part of your life could be very much different. We can no longer count on the things that we once did in the same way. Hey, God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll see if my voice holds up. Uh, let me know if you have any comments on today's show. You can email me at info at ChristopherScottShow.com or simply fill out the form on the website at ChristopherScottShow.com. Let me know what you think. I'm always happy to hear from listeners. I know it's a time of year where people are sitting back waiting to see what's going to happen. But let me know your thoughts. Maybe I'll share it on the podcast. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. I sure hope to see you there. In the meantime, make it a great day.